Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Primal Potential podcast. You picked a great episode to listen to. I know I'm biased, but I feel like this one could really be a game changer for people. And as I put it together, I uh, you'll see I decided to take it to the next level um, and help you guys really implement this. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But first, let's do a quick recap of where we've been and what we're going to do today. So in episode 137, I was sharing a really interesting perspective on why we gain weight and why it is so hard to stop eating, right? And I was talking about Dr. Ludwig's book, Always Hungry, where he says, we do not get fat because we overeat. We overeat because we're getting fat. And if you haven't listened to episode 137 yet, I definitely think that would be a good one to start with to get some background, as would part one of this two-part series, but definitely come back to this one. So this notion that we overeat because we're getting fat is based on what happens to our body when we eat processed foods. There is a specific hormonal environment created in response to processed food that accelerates fat storage, triggers cravings, and doesn't satisfy our hunger the way we really expect food to satisfy our hunger. And then we have trouble stopping. A lot of these foods, most of these processed foods, just don't fill us up and don't satisfy us. And this is where things get tricky because, yeah, all right, we get it. Processed foods aren't the best. They can cause some problems. But why is it so hard to break free from them? And that's what I want to focus on today. A couple of things. How processed foods make us want to eat more. What is going on there that makes us want to eat more? We're not like hungry, hungry hippo, what is it about these foods that make us want to eat more? And then what are these foods? Sure, the obvious ones like chips and candy, but I mean, is this just processed foods in general? And I'm going to make the argument that it is. And then most importantly, how do we break the chain of these processed foods, these fake flavors? How do we do that so that we no longer desire them? Let me give you a glimmer of hope because you might be thinking, I'm always going to desire them. And I get that because I've been there. In typical weight loss attempts, we rely on willpower. The notion of don't eat those donuts, right? But today is about a new approach. How we can create a situation where we, by choice, stop desiring the donuts altogether. 
And I think that requires knowing what is happening in your brain and in your body in response to these these foods. Because when we know better, we do better. And I know that this is possible to like not desire the donuts. I know that because I have intensely desired donuts and now I really don't desire them. I know it's possible because I've done it. And I'm so sure that it is possible that I'm going to be inviting you to take a totally free 14-day challenge with me to prove to you that it is possible. Because honestly, my true desires in the past were genuinely for ice cream and Hostess cupcakes and Cheetos and subpar crappy Mexican food, pizza and Chinese, and then more ice cream. Honestly, those were my desires. My body wanted those things. I thought they were good. More than that, it was this intense craving and desire that I had a really hard time overcoming even when I really wanted to lose weight. One thing that I've learned in hindsight is that the craving and the desire far exceeded the pleasure I got from eating. So the craving was very real, but just kind of like how many smokers will say that the craving for the cigarette is greater from greater than the joy they get from smoking. Oftentimes the craving for particular foods is stronger than or greater than the pleasure derived from eating that thing that you crave. And I will tell you honestly, honestly, I don't desire those foods anymore. And I and this is not just me. I'm not some unicorn, although that'd be cool. But I see the same thing happen with my clients. So unless I only work with unicorns, <laughs> I don't think I just don't think that's true. I just don't think that's true. I know that it can happen for you. When we approach changing our health or our physique from the willpower only standpoint, it's hard. It's super hard. And most people break. I want to help you change your desires. It's so much easier when you just don't want the donut. When you look at it and go, uh, I don't think that looks very good. You know, I want you to surprise yourself the way so many of my clients surprise themselves. I get texts all the time like, I don't know how this is possible, but somebody brought in my favorite thing. I'm like, I didn't even want it. That's what I want to help you create. Your palate can, does, and will evolve. The only question, it's not whether your palate is going to change. It is going to change. The only question is whether you will be directing that process or whether you're going to allow your palate to continue to be hijacked by the interests and priorities of food food and chemical companies who want to sell you more food. Now, I'm going to talk about this challenge more at the end here, but I just wanted to mention, for those of you that, you know, bail out in the first few minutes of the show, I have created a totally free, no strings attached, 14-day challenge to prove to you that you can change your palate and it does not take as long as you fear it might. I created this free 14-day challenge to help reset your palate and break the chains of fake flavor so that you have more control of what you eat, when you eat, and how much you eat. And again, it's totally free, no strings attached. I'm going to talk about what it is and what it includes and what it means at the end. But if you want in and you're in the U.S., text the word reset me, reset me, one word, no space, to the number 33444, or you can just go to primalpotential.com slash reset, R-E-S-E-T. So you'll get a PDF overview, and then we'll officially kick off in a few days, but if you want to hang tight for more details at the end, that's cool. If you just want to like dive in and hear about it later, that's cool too. 
So we're going to get more into that, but I want to talk first about processed foods and the impact of fake flavor and how you can avoid it. Like, what do you do about all of this? Chemical companies and food manufacturers have married two very powerful forces to make billions of dollars. And that's Whole Foods getting blander, having less flavor, which I talked about in part one of this two-part series, and then processed foods getting more flavorful. I want to be really clear that it is not a matter of you being weak. Food is stronger than ever. Chemical companies and food manufacturers are smarter than ever, and they're just, it's not that you're weak, it's that they're really strong. And relying on willpower here is like arm wrestling a crane, right? I mean, we cannot rely on the willpower thing alone. We can do better. We can respond more intelligently. Flavor has really become, and this is a strong statement, but I really believe it, flavor has become what nicotine was at the height of smoking popularity. It is a strategic chemical manipulation to increase desire and decrease control, okay? And it started innocently enough. It didn't start, I'm not saying these these people are evil. It started innocently enough. But we have to understand, I think, the original intentions because that's going to help us give a sense of like what flavor even means and what natural flavor is. Flavor technology was developed out of financial necessity and business opportunity, right? That's kind of where all new things come from. There's a financial opportunity. There's a need in the marketplace. Boom, flavor. And I want to tell you a short story about vanilla bean. I love stories, and this is actually a long story that I'm going to significantly condense. But if we ever sit down and have a glass of wine together, I'd love to tell you the whole story because I like stories. But it's about vanilla bean and how fake vanilla came to be, okay? So it exploded in popularity, vanilla bean, and came as a primary export from Madagascar, right? And vanilla bean, for those of you that don't know, comes from a very specific type of orchid, the flower, but only in a few very regional parts of the world. It was Madagascar's cash cow, basically. But things got shook up in Madagascar with some political unrest. And so their Marxist government decided to send the price of vanilla up so they would get more money by increasing the demand if they burned a lot of their vanilla bean, destroy the product so there's less of it, more competition, higher prices. Well, that's all well and good, and certainly there were people that were paying that premium price, but a lot of spice companies and food manufacturers were like, uh, we cannot be dependent on this unstable region to be giving us this thing that so many people want. Vanilla was really popular at that point in time. So the chemical companies went to work to create an affordable alternative that didn't come from vanilla, right? To create an imitation so that they didn't have to interrupt supply or pay these really ridiculous prices. Now, I promise this history lesson is going to be worth it. I'll, I'll keep it short. This took years, years to create an artificial or imitation vanilla and millions of dollars, but it was worth it because there was more than millions of dollars in the supply of vanilla, now, we have to think about like, okay, if you had vanilla bean, right, how do you recreate that? 
it's pretty complex. And think, just think about it from the perspective of how would you describe vanilla? So much of how you would describe, if you've ever had a real dried vanilla bean in front of you and you cut it down the middle and you scrape out the seeds, so much of how you describe it would be based on how it smells. It smells kind of sweet. It smells a little smoky, kind of leathery. But how do you develop those flavors? Where do you even start? Chemistry. You start with chemistry. And this is part of why it takes so much money and so much time. But specifically, not to geek out, you find these profiles to recreate these flavors without using whatever the original source was with mass spectrometry and gas chromatography. Those are your Scrabble words for the day. Mass spectrometry and gas chromatography. And the big words basically just mean that you can analyze any particular item on this super expensive equipment that's essentially going to give you a chemical map. A bunch of little peaks and valleys that say there's this one chemical and there's a lot of it, and then there's this other chemical and there's a little bit of it, and then there's a tiny little hint of this chemical here, and then it's up to the chemists to recreate it, guess and check kind of, either naturally or artificially, but this recreation is only one part of the flavor process. Flavoring is about a lot of different things, recreating the taste, recreating the smell, recreating a pleasurable texture. Now those are the obvious ones and then it gets a little devious, a little a little behind the scenes. Creating it in a way that you get a very specific response in your brain. And we'll talk about how they do this, but they are looking to achieve a very particular response of the brain of individuals who consume whatever it is that they're creating. Also, a particular hormonal state that makes you more likely to keep eating and not stop while wanting more and more. And then lastly, they want to create a particular emotional state. And we'll talk about how they do that. It's a pretty elaborate process. Basically, they want to create something that tastes like something it's not. And it's fake, cheap, and addictive. Now, with vanilla, they found, and this took years and millions and millions of dollars, they found that they were able to create a lot of those vanilla flavors, those notes that are very common in vanilla from pine cones. That was way cheaper than the vanilla bean they were getting, the real vanilla bean from the orchid. Then they were found they were able to recreate it using clove oil, even cheaper. Then they found they were able to recreate it with wood, even cheaper. And then they found they were able to create it with petrochemicals, entirely synthetic. And then they found they were able to create it with beaver anal secretions. Don't kill the messenger, and I don't know anything about the cost or the methods, nor do I feel like Googling it. <laughs> if you want to, that's cool. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. But I want to talk about all of the elements of flavor technology, because it is the combination of these elements that creates things that are palatants. Remember, we talked about that in part one, these appetite stimulants and hyper palatables that make us eat more, that make us less likely to stop, that can make foods truly addictive. Flavor, scent, texture, your brain's response, your hormonal response, your emotional state. This combination creates foods. And again, guys, this is the goal of the food industry that wants us to eat more and buy more and not stop. That trigger reward, 
tolerance, pleasure, and that are very affordable. They have to create these cheap alternatives from synthetics or like really obscure sources because it makes things much more affordable, right? So food companies as part of, and not just food companies, but also the chemical companies that create the flavors, usually more so the chemical companies than the food companies that are utilizing these chemical creations, as part of their standard operating procedure, they spend a lot of time and money creating an emotional profile for a given food item. For example, if they know that their target customer is a middle-aged working mom, they will say, how does she want to feel? They'll give her a name. They'll define her age. They'll say how many kids she has, what her kids' names are, where she lives, what she does for work, if anything. How does this customer, Susie Jane, want to feel? They call this the need state. What is her need state? And then they'll say, well, Susie Jane, you know, busy working mom, she wants to feel calm and happy and relaxed and loved. And then they will spend tons of money identifying what flavors, what textures, what scents create that need state, that emotional profile, and they will incorporate those into foods. They also the con they consider the emotional profile with marketing. And that's why we see so many words like whole and natural because of the emotional profile that caters to. Now, I don't run into these problems when I buy cabbage and avocado because they are not a chemical cocktail and they do not come with packaging meant to target my need state at any given moment. They want to make you feel how you want to feel with food and then you return to that food less for the flavor and more for the feeling. Let's think about cinnamon, right, which is a weird example. How does the scent of cinnamon, whether it's cinnamon raisin cookies or hot applesauce with cinnamon or, you know, walking into your grandmother's house and she's making oatmeal raisin cookies with cinnamon, how does that make you feel? There are hundreds of words within the emotional profile for cinnamon. Relaxed, happy, comfortable, at ease, loved, safe. And then they actively create flavors based on, the, based on the tastes and the smells that create the emotional response they want you to experience. They'll ask, what does the stressed, frustrated single man want to feel? And what flavors target that emotional profile? There isn't much mystery about emotional eating when you think about it from this perspective. It is created right? Our great-grandmother probably didn't eat 24 cookies when she was having a bad day. This is by design, guys, and we have to take back control and not allow our health, our emotions, and our physique to be manipulated by people who want us buying more and more of their products. Many of us eat for emotion, not even for the enjoyment of the food in and of itself. We'll ask ourselves, what do I feel like? What sounds good, not what would be delicious, right? We're looking for an emotional response. I can't tell you how many of my clients say to me, I don't even like that. I don't know why I keep eating it. A big part of that is the designed emotional state it caters to. 
Now, another thing I talked about was the brain chemistry. I want to talk about that for a second because food scientists use something called functional MRI, basically brain imaging, in the product development process. They want to see what areas of your brain light up when you think about their product and when you eat their product. And they will tweak the recipe and the flavors and the scents and refine and adjust until they get the most significant response they can from the pleasure and reward centers of your brain. These are the same regions of the brain that light up in response to drugs, like addictive drugs like heroin and cocaine, and they do this by design. They study the exact combinations of sugar and salt, the exact textures and scents that trigger these regions of the brain, right? And this is what goes into the marketing claims of bet you just can't have one or once you pop, you can't stop. They aren't guessing, they created this with science and time and money, and we walk right into the trap when we purchase these items and then wonder why we can't stop. It's by design. Now, I don't want to spend too much time today talking about the hormonal implications because we've talked about that on a number of episodes, and really, that's what they're measuring with the functional MRI. The more that they can introduce sweetness, either non-nutritive, like non-caloric, or straight sugar, that is what generates these hormonal responses that fire off neurotransmitters in your brain. And this is also what prevents satiety from kicking in feelings of fullness and what sets you up for more cravings and more hunger later. And just like a drug, your tolerance builds. You need more and more and more to get the same response. And this is how food starts to feel addictive and like you cannot overcome your cravings. So what is fake and what is natural? Is natural flavor any better than fake flavor? And is natural flavor even natural? Let's answer those questions now. Does natural flavor mean that it's not fake? No. Does natural flavor mean that it's not addictive? No. Is there a possibility that natural flavor is in fact natural? Yes, pine cones are natural, right? It's not vanilla bean, but it's natural. It's a pine cone. So let me start with what is not fake flavor and then explain what natural flavor means when you see it on a package. So with that vanilla example, like I said, you are going to be using maybe pine cone or wood or clove, and that can carry the designation of natural, even though... It's not necessarily something you want to put in your body. Like, we have connotations of what natural means. Healthy, food-like. Well, wood is not food, but it is natural. You see where I'm going with this? Now, if you ask three different people to tell you the difference between natural and artificial, even three different people, like, in positions of food regulation, you'll get three different answers. But don't get hung up on that because there are simple solutions we'll get to in a minute. But first... Natural and artificial often refers not so much to the source of the ingredient, but to the method of processing, okay? So if the method of processing the ingredients is natural, like heat or distillation or enzymes, that's natural, right? As opposed to chemical processing. When you see natural flavoring on a label, that's marketing, okay? Because Natural is not a regulated term when it comes to flavoring, all right? 
Now, in the book, which I mentioned a couple of times in the previous episode, uh, the Dorito effect, which I'll link to over on the show notes, this goes into way more detail than I could even hint at here. But he describes this natural and artificial designation very well, I think, although it's a little alarming, but it's also hysterical. So I like to laugh. I figured I'd share it with you. So he basically says, using the example of walking over the Golden Gate Bridge to get to San Francisco, he says, if you walk over the Golden Gate Bridge, you could say you're in natural San Francisco. But if you took a cab, you'd have to call it artificial San Francisco because you didn't arrive there naturally, which I get it. It makes no sense. But a lot of how our food is handled in the United States makes no sense. I literally laughed out loud when I was listening to it in audio. Um, He said, San Francisco is San Francisco, whether you get there by birch bark canoe or jetpack. But basically... The point is the chemicals used are often the same or nearly the same, whether they claim natural or artificial, right? The chemical originally found in blueberries, but made synthetically through natural processes can be called natural blueberry flavor. Is it natural? No, but the chemical they're using is in a natural source, even though it wasn't created naturally, and it can be called natural blueberry flavor. It's synthetic, but they can call it natural. So it might have originated from a natural source, and it's just not the natural source you think, like in the case of wood. Or it might be, this occurs naturally, we created it in a lab, but we did so in a natural processing method. It's very, it means nothing, essentially. I mean, honestly, It means nothing. The environmental working group has gone on record saying that the actual chemicals used in flavoring, if it's called artificial or it's called natural, could be identical or extremely close to identical, regardless of how they are designated. The big point I want to drive home here is there is no legal requirement in the United States to disclose what makes up the designation natural flavorings. So if you can lump anything in there and not have to disclose it, I mean, I think we can all understand how that probably shakes out, right? But whether it is artificial or natural, let's be really clear on the role of these flavors. Their role is to make you eat more. They're not added because they're pretty and they're not added because they smell nice and they want to perfume your kitchen. They are added to make you eat more, period, end of story. So that is what I want you to take away from this conversation. The word natural is used for marketing. It is used to create that emotional need state of, oh, this is a better choice because these flavors are natural. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, So is a two by four, I guess, right? Now, the easiest way to avoid this is to avoid packaging. And I know you might be thinking like, that's hard. That's impossible. It's not impossible. It's not the recommendation I feel like you have to go with, but it's only impossible to you because it's not your habit. It's the way your great-grandparents ate. It's just not our habit. And honestly, and and I say this honestly from love. I really do. I say this from understanding. Which hard do you want? The hard of eating real food Or the heart of eating all the food, being exhausted, unhappy, battling cravings, and hating your body. 
I mean, you get to pick your heart. And I've lived on both sides of it. And I'll tell you what, for me, the heart of obesity, the heart of food addiction, the heart of emotional eating, embarrassment, shame, and depression was way, way harder than the heart of falling in love with real food and real flavor and not being hungry all the time. Just saying. Your taste buds have been hijacked. Your palate has been hijacked. Your control over your weight has been hijacked. And I want to help you get it back. We have to say we will not be manipulated. Our mouths won't be manipulated. Our brains won't be manipulated. Our hormones won't be manipulated. Our emotions won't be. We have to get back to real flavor. I feel like we don't even know what real flavor means anymore. We cannot decide to quench our emotional needs with chemicals. Do not outsource your health and your control over your health to the food industry who wants you eating more, right? Willpower only goes so far. We're turning real food into junk food and we're adding flavors at the factory. We're adding flavors at home and it is screwing us up. So the question is, okay, what do we do? Like, I, I, I want to change this and I want to help you reclaim control and break free from these fake flavors, figure out what the heck they are, where they are, they're everywhere. Reclaim your palate, change your preferences, control your serving sizes, not by willpower, but by desire and eliminate your cravings. So the first thing I want you to do, no if you're ready to do this, if you're not ready, that's cool. If you're doing something else that's working for you and you're cruising right along, that's okay. You can come back to this. It's not going anywhere. I'm going to say that again. If you are making progress, doing what you're doing, and you know you can't take on more right now, okay, leave this alone. Or if you're not ready to change, okay, that's fine. Leave this alone. But if you know that you're stuck and you feel like your tastes have been hijacked and you really have that strong desire for these processed foods and you believe that it's possible to change and you want some help, I want you to do this 14-day challenge with me. If you are listening to this, it's officially going to kick off on, let's see, I think the 22nd, the Monday following this episode airing. However, if you're listening to this for months from now, you can still go through it. I just am letting people know when the first one is going to kick off. So what you need to do, if you're in the U.S., you can text the word reset me, one word, no space, reset me to the number 33444. You can go to the show notes page for this episode to get in, or you can go to primalpotential.com slash reset. Because guys, there's so much more I want to tell you about how to buy meat that's more flavorful and how to know what words to look out for on food labels, right? But I can't cover all of that stuff in the podcast. I just can't. Like it would be hours and hours and hours of information. I can't tackle it here, but I will in the 14 days of this challenge. I'll be emailing you every day, sharing some of these facts and these tips, how to get meat that's more flavorful, how to cook foods that you really love and enjoy, recipes, ideas to keep you encouraged and motivated. You can do anything for 14 days, and I hope you'll do this with me. So if you're listening to this when this airs, Go ahead and sign up. You'll get some initial information and then we'll kick off in a few days. If you're listening from to this months or years from now, that's cool. You can sign up now and get started right away as well. 
If that's not your jam, if you don't want to do that, no worries. It's totally free. There's no strings attached. But if you don't want to, I want you to start thinking about when you eat, where did the flavor in this meal or this snack come from? Did it come from the plant or the animal that you are eating? If it didn't, maybe it's time to rethink it. If it didn't come from the plant or the animal that you're eating, or you're not eating a plant or an animal, right? then you might want that to be something that you dial back a little bit. Eat foods that make you feel amazing afterwards, not foods you really get in, get excited about beforehand necessarily or foods that make you feel good while you're eating. If you can find that combination, that's great, and that happens as your palate changes, but eat foods that make you feel amazing afterwards. And try new things. Try bolder flavors than maybe you're comfortable with. And don't just try it once and say, meh, I hate this, it's gross. Keep trying it over and over again. Just like when you're introducing new foods to a child, you don't just expose them to it one and done, right? You keep introducing it in different ways and their palate changes. Yours does too. It's just a question of whether or not you're going to take control of those changes or you're going to allow your palate to be hijacked by the food industry and the chemical companies. Avoid things that are really sweet, that are really salty. Really stay away from things that have those very obvious fake flavors. Anything that's coated in some non-food product, cheesy or salty or sugary or whatever, those things are palatants or hyperpalatables that stimulate you to overeat. And then buy quality stuff. If you feel like you're spending more, remember that when you buy quality, you save on quantity because you're avoiding these things that make you eat and eat and eat and eat and eat, right? Like a box of wheat thins is what, like four bucks and you could eat it in two nights, maybe one if you're like I used to be. And then support your local farmers markets or local ranchers and buy quality because every time you spend money on food, you're casting your vote. We vote with our wallet and we vote for quality or we vote for crap. And that is our choice. So I really hope you'll take advantage and do this 14-day challenge with me. It's totally free. There are no strings attached. I just want to support you guys and show you that you really can change your preferences over time and not a lot of time. It doesn't take that long if you really commit to it. I really hope you do commit to it. Don't do anything halfway, right? You get in what you put in. You get out what you put in. If you put in half your effort, you'll be lucky to get half the results, right? So don't do anything halfway. Go all in and get the results that you really deserve. You can just text reset me, one word, R-E-S-E-T-M-E to the number 33444, or you can go to the show notes page for this episode or primalpotential.com slash reset. All right, let's wrap up with what I ate yesterday. Coffee with MCT oil in the morning before my workout. I didn't put any butter in there. I was quite satisfied with a couple of tablespoons of MCT oil spread out over maybe three cups of coffee. And then after my workout, I had two bottles of Kavita brand kombucha, the cayenne lemon. I think that's what it is. Cayenne lemon or cayenne ginger, something like that. It's cayenne something uh, is the flavor that I really like right now. Then later in the day, I had 
Nom Nom Paleo's raw cabbage salad recipe. I will link to that. I put it up on the Facebook page for Primal Potential the other day, but um, it's really delicious. That You make this delicious carrot ginger dressing. You just put in the blender some fresh ginger root with some carrot and some olive oil and different stuff. It's, it's so good and it's raw and it's delicious and there wasn't any protein in it, um, but I was really satisfied. And then I had an early dinner and a later dinner. Early dinner was just Brussels sprouts with walnuts and ground turkey. And then later I had cauliflower rice with ground turkey because I was still hungry. So that is the deal. I hope you will join me for this 14-day challenge. When you sign up, you will get some initial information, sort of like the lay of the land and what to expect. If you are listening to this in real time, we will kick off the first 14-day challenge on the 22nd but if you sign up after that don't worry you can still go through it and it'll just happen automatically for you i'm really looking forward to it i'm looking forward to helping you reduce your urge for the things that are holding you back talk to you guys soon have a great day thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the primal potential podcast where my goal is not to inform you but to transform you and if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes workouts meal ideas every week right to your inbox just text the word primal to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there.